a great week. And the singing, some of you guys have rhythm. And then there's Kurt. <laughs> um, hey, I, real quick, before we get to the, to the story that these students walked through the whole week with us uh, through the parable of the Good Samaritan, but um, kids, you guys heard Pastor Kurt up here talking about all those announcements, all those people that bad things have happened for, and even Hagirsa that had a, an episode while he was here and had to go to the hospital. Uh, I just want to, you may have read this when you were a kid, um, but there's this children's book, I believe it's called The Hello Goodbye Window, um, where, you know, there's that window at your house when, when you're expecting grandma or grandpa or someone that you're really are looking forward to seeing that they, when they come, you're kind of looking out the window and, and you're, you're happy, so you're waving and they come in, but then when, they, when people that you love leave, you're, you're, you're waving at the same window. So, hello and goodbye at the same place. And one of the things that book tells us is it's okay to be happy and sad at the same time. And that's kind of me today. We had a great week, and I saw phenomenal things. I am un, I, it's unbelievable how much some of these students, especially, I mean, the third, fourth, and fifth graders, I'm not saying that they know more than everybody else, but Pastor Kurt and I, that was our, we had that group for Bible, and what you know, I mean, I heard some of the most experienced and um, articulate and honest prayers this week uh, from those students before, the, before we got started and after we got started. And some of them are smart. The, all the riddles I gave you guys, I mean, you, you broke me. I, I, I went through, what, $36 this week and giving away money for paying people for answers to riddles. Um, but just blown away at how, how wise some of these kids are and how much fun they're willing to have. And again, it was awesome to just laugh again. Um, it is so many things that make us laugh in our culture are raunchy. And we just laughed this week. And it wasn't raunchy. It was just funny. So to be able to play again, uh, kids, when you grow up, don't forget to remember how to play. Because we forget that, and we get real serious, and we get real uptight, and we get real um, like, like it's beyond us or beneath us, and it's just not. It, play is fun. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going um, to read this passage, and I'm going to quiz some of the third, fourth, and fifth graders here before we get started. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you are God, and we are not, and we are so thankful for that. Um, this world is hard enough knowing that a perfect God has things under control, but Lord, if we were running it, it would be a mess down here. So we're thankful that we have your help. Lord, join us as we do our best to learn a little bit more about who you are and who you want us to be. We're perpetually reminded that it matters who we are, but it matters more whose we are. And Lord, for me, as I talk to people ranging in age from infant to octogenarian, I ask for your wisdom, that your words, your cadence, your spirit, your ideas are the ones that come through, not mine. This isn't my message for them. It's your message for us. So Lord, as I preach, preach to me too. Pray these things in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Okay, third, fourth, fifth graders. The Good Samaritan is in what book of the Bible? Come on. What? Go ahead. Luke, what chapter? Just say it out loud. Ten. Ten. What verse does it start in? And how many times did Kurt get that right this week? Twice. <laughs> um, 
This is a very familiar passage. In fact, in our culture, if you're not, if you're not someone who, who goes to church much or you didn't grow up going to Sunday school or something like that, um, I just want you to know that this word Good Samaritan, you hear this all the time. There was a law passed in 1989 in Indiana. I'm sure that other cultures have it um, called the Good Samaritan Law. Which made it so that you couldn't, if you had qualifications to help someone in need, if you helped them, you couldn't be held liable. You couldn't, if something went wrong, you were covered. And the, the, those of you who are old enough to remember the old uh, sitcom Seinfeld, the final episode of Seinfeld was all about the Good Samaritan law and that you're supposed to help someone when they're in need and people were just kind of indifferent. So this idea of Good Samaritan is permeating through our whole culture and it comes from Luke 10. And it, it's so familiar that sometimes we forget what it means. So I'm going to tell you the story, but I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things as you hear me read it. Same things we did with the third, fourth, and fifth graders, I'm assuming with all the other age groups as well. I'm going to ask you to identify the different characters or players in this story. Now, the first one, it isn't in the story of the Good Samaritan itself, but the first one is an expert in the law. And I'll talk in a moment about what that kind of person is. Then there's Jesus who tells the story, but then within the story, there's several characters, several players Some of them are easy to identify. Some of them are often forgotten. The other thing as we read this that I want you to be aware of is that Jesus is answering a question he's being asked with this parable. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And there's always the surface level. And then there's a little bit deeper than that, something that we should learn from it ourselves. And then there's almost always something even deeper than that. What is Jesus saying about himself And what is Jesus saying about our condition? So there's the story of the Good Samaritan, help others. There's something deeper than that. Well, okay, which, sometimes we make up excuses. And then there's below that, what is God saying about himself? And what's he saying about us? So listen for those things. It reads like this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that question always bothers me. There's another guy, a rich young man in another place in Scripture that, that asked that question. What must I do to inherit? Now, if you receive an inheritance, what did you do? Nothing. It's a gift. Someone else had to die to give it to you. They did something, but you don't do anything. It's not like you earned it. It was by accident of your birth. Or if you're a charity that someone leaves money to, uh, an inheritance, it's because they believe in what you do, but you didn't earn anything. So this man is saying, what must I do to earn something that cannot be earned? So in and of itself, that question is a little weird. And then you've got this expert in the law. Now, just so you know, we have people, we have professors we have lawyers, we have doctors, we have tradesmen, we have, we have clerical workers, we have pastor types. We, the, our culture has lots of different um, people groups. Back then, for the Jewish people, and Jesus was Jewish, there were really, there were more, but there were three that we hear about most in Scripture. The Sadducees, and they were the people that, the experts in the law, they were the member of the priestly class. So they were the ones that controlled all the temple worship, how to worship God rightly in the temple in Jerusalem. And then you have the Levites, um, the, the Levites are kind of the people that, that aid the priests in their work in the temple. And then you have the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, 
they did this a lot. They disagreed a lot. They debated a lot. They, they, in fact, there was this whole process set up of how, how they were to debate one another. And so the, the, the Sadducees, these experts in the law, they believe that temple worship is all that mattered. That's what matters most, the Torah, the temple worship. So the, the first five books of the scripture, really, if you just think the whole Old Testament and what happens in the temple, but what happens otherwise wasn't really important. The Pharisees, they believed that the temple worship was okay, but how can we live faithfully to God day to day, minute to minute, breath by breath? So the Pharisees were always looking for ways to trick the, the Sadducees. The Sadducees were always looking for ways to make the Pharisees look foolish. So this teacher in the law, the Sadducee, he's a member of the priestly class, and he's trying to test Jesus. He's trying to get Jesus either on his side or figure out a way to write him off. And he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus responds, answers this question with a question. What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus answered, or Jesus said, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to show Jesus that he's smarter than Jesus. He wanted to show Jesus that he doesn't need him, that he's all good with God all by himself. So he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Love the Lord your God with everything you have and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, we do this a lot. I'm not accusing. I'm just saying we ha this happens in our culture. It happens in Christian culture. It happens in, in, in non-Christian culture. It happens all around the world. What's the least I can do and still be okay with God? What's the least I can do and still get to heaven? Who is my, who do I really have to be nice to? Who do I have to show the love of God to? Because the, the, if you sum up all of the law, if you, even the 10 commandments, most of us know about those. The 10 commandments are set up to say, love God and love your neighbor. The first three are about our love with God. The fourth one is about love of self and creation. So rest, give creation a break and you take a break from it. And then the five through 10 are how we're supposed to behave toward and love, show love toward other people. The purpose that God gives people on this planet is love me, says God, with everything you have and love other people just like you love you. So this is foundational. And this guy, who is my neighbor? That's a, that's a cop-out. Who do I have to behave nicely to because it's just too hard? And Jesus, I love, I love how he does this. He tells a story. And he says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, those are the ones that help out in the priestly, in the, in the temple worship. A Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and I'm going to pause there because you just, just have to know, this is not the person that's supposed to show up in this story. See, all the Pharisees are hearing this, and they hear there's a man beaten and bloodied on the side of the road. And every, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Levites, all of them, they know that the greatest law of all laws in religion at that time the one that trumps all other laws is if someone's in need and you can save them, no matter whether you're, you're going to become unclean, whether it means you're not going to be uh, ritually pure anymore, if someone's in need and you can help them, help them. 
That trumps all other laws. So the Pharisees, the ones who, you know, the day-to-day, minute-by-minute, breath-by-breath, obey the law, try to live faithfully with God, they, they're, they're listening to this story and Jesus going, there was a man, he fell in the hands of robbers, he's beaten, bloodied, naked, half-dead, side of the road. A priest comes by. He didn't do anything. He lifts up his robe and steps over the guy, because that road's about this wide, I've been on it. And a Levite, kind of like a Sadducee, he sees the guy does nothing. So the Pharisee's thinking, all right, Jesus is going to show him that it's not about temple worship. It's about day to day. He's all excited. He's listening. And he goes, and in a similar fashion, a, a, Samarit- a Samaritan. See, they hated Samaritans. The, some of the most vile, racist literature or comments are in Jewish literature talking about the Samaritans. The Jews didn't like him because well, there were lots of other reasons, but they didn't worship in the right place. They didn't worship the right way. They don't have the right ancestry. They're not pure Jewish blood. They have, they have, they've married with other, with other people groups. And so they, for some reason, they just oh, couldn't stand them. And they were considered to be unclean all the time. And I won't repeat the words that we've read in literature about what they've said about the, the Samaritans, but they hate them. So for Jesus to bring a Samaritan into a story when he's interacting with a, a, a Sadducee is absolutely unheard of. It is the most, is the most, the biggest social misstep that anyone could make. And the Pharisees have to be going, it's supposed to be me. And then Jesus says, a Samaritan, uh, but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring, oil and, pouring on oil and wine. And he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins. Now, we learned that those in another translation of the Bible, they, it, it names them denarii. Uh, it's a day's, one denarii is a day's wage for a 12-hour day. So he left him two, he, he, the next day he took out two days wages and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus, looking back to the expert in the law, says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Remember the question was, who is my neighbor? Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And I want you to notice that the expert in the law could not even say the word Samaritan. He said, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. It's a great story. We know, we teach, we teach our children. Children often teach us to love people that are different. I mean, the whole point of Vacation Bible School this time, the skits, where Bo Dean and Bo Pawsign Dean, they looked different than the pirates, and the pirates treated them poorly just because they were different. But the thing that happened this week is that Bo Dean and Bo Pawsign Dean, um, they, they, they were the character, two years ago, they were messing up everything. They cheated, they stole some stuff, and then they met Jesus. This time, they've been living with Jesus for a couple of years, and this time, they were the ones that showed compassion. They were the ones that showed kindness. They were the ones who, who did not return evil with evil, but evil with kindness. They're the ones that were helpful. They're the ones that, that, that just tried to live and treat the others the way Jesus would have them treat. It's a great story. It's a great message, but I ask you to think about the characters. Let's name them. We've got the teacher of the law. We've got Jesus telling the story. We've got the priest. We've got the Levite. We have the Samaritan. 
We have the man who was beat up at the hands of robbers, stripped naked, bloodied, left half dead. And we have the innkeeper. We often forget about the innkeeper. The innkeeper didn't do anything wrong, but he did care for this person for a fee. You heard Pastor Kurt say a minute ago that after he sat down, he was still breathing hard and a little sweaty, wiping his head with a, with a towel. He goes, I get paid for this. That innkeeper's kind of like pastors and staff people at a church. I get paid to study the scriptures, to preach, to officiate funerals, to administer the sacraments, to visit the sick, to care for the poor, to offer godly advice. If you come and talk to me, you know what you're going to get from me. I'm like the innkeeper. I'm reimbursed for the work that you've called me here to do. So Jesus isn't lifting up the innkeeper. He's not lifting up the robbers. And God forbid, if you, if you identify with the robbers in this story, that you look to victimize other people, that you look, if, you, if you're someone who looks, looks because of how someone looks or because of their socioeconomic standing, the color of their skin, or, or who, what, whether they like Michigan State or Michigan, Sometimes we get that way, don't we? We kind of hate those who love things that we hate. You know that we're not supposed to identify with the robbers. But sometimes we, we're more like the, and we're supposed to do this in Scripture. We're supposed to, when he tells a story, which one am I? Not which one should I be. We all know that that's the Samaritan. But which one am I? I mean, do I sometimes justify myself before God? Kind of like, I, look, God, I'm doing big stuff. A Sunday morning here, I got this big stuff going on. But, you know, driving down the road, I'm not supposed to, I don't need this. I don't have time to stop and help someone on the side of the road that looks like they're out of gas. I mean, I got, I got big, important stuff that you called me to do to do. So sometimes we, we, we make excuses like the priest. Sometimes we kind of think, well, I'm a good person, so I have to go to heaven. God has to let me in. I got more white marks than black marks, so I, I get in. But that's not scriptural. Because scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is good and no one seeks God. That's Romans. You look at Romans 3, 4, 5, and 6, which we're going to walk into in the next several weeks in this church. It's called the Roman Road. It, it tells us that we're incapable of making ourselves right before God. This is stuff we talk to your kids about this week. Sometimes we like to justify ourselves. Sometimes we have excuses. And we look at the Good Samaritan and we go, that's how we should be. But I want you to understand how costly this might be. This good Samaritan stopped, saw, saw, stopped, felt pity, and did something. Now, he could have been, we've seen this on TV shows, and I've been on this road, it's, it's craggly, there's a lot of switchbacks and things like that, and, and, and there's, a, there's spots where if you come around a bend, it's a blind bend, and they're a place where people could be hiding. So we've seen this on TV shows when, when someone plays the victim, and someone comes to their aid, and then they get mugged. That could have been happening in this situation. Again, it's a parable. It's a story. It didn't, there wasn't actually a robber. There wasn't actually a man. But everyone knew that that kind of thing happened on this road. So it's, it's dangerous for the Good Samaritan to stop and help. It's also inconvenient. He was traveling on that road for a reason. He was going somewhere. He's probably getting home. So it's dangerous and inconvenient. It's, it's messy. The guy was bloody. The Samaritan's going to be unclean too. Even though the Jews already thought he was, he didn't think he was. It's dangerous. It's inconvenient. It's messy. And it's costly. It cost him his own money, and it probably cost even more for the extended care of this man. It's a great, great preachable moment. Treat people the way you would want to be treated if you're in that same spot. 
And we taught your kids about the excuses. We taught your kids about the, the compassion. We even, we, even, we even asked some of them, like, okay, let's, let's talk about some of the excuses we make or, or how, how, how costly this might be. What if you're in the school cafeteria and a new kid or someone that, that doesn't talk like everybody else is kind of socially awkward or, or has, some, has some, some kind of learning disability or something like that? The kid, you know, the kid that sits alone at lunch, what would God have you do? Go sit with them, eat with them, yep. But what if your friend said, don't go? Well, I should go anyway. What if your friend said, if you go, we won't be your friend anymore? One, one honest little girl goes, I don't, I don't think I'd go then. Because it's too costly. So am I the expert in the law justifying myself? Am I the priest making excuses? Am I the Levite making excuses? Or am I like the Samaritan? Or maybe I'm like the innkeeper, I guess. But there's one character we often choose not to identify ourselves with in stories like this. The man who's been beaten, bloodied, stripped naked, and left half dead. There's a time when Paul says that we are to bear one another's burdens. And we hear that and we go, yeah, when someone's in need, I'm supposed to come alongside and lift it up and, and try to make their lives a little bit easier. But we don't often associate ourselves with someone who needs our burdens borne by others. There's the surface story. It's a story about three, two people that treated someone poorly, actually the robbers too, and then a victim, and then one guy that came to his aid. That's a surface story. The, the, next one, the next level is we should be like the good Samaritan. He's remembered even though he wasn't a real person. But then the one that we, the one that we don't always get is that Jesus is telling us something about him and something about us. According to Scripture... We are the man naked. We're naked before the Lord. He knows everything. He's seen everything. He knows every thought. He knows everything we've ever done, everything we haven't done, everything we should have done, everything we shouldn't have done. He knows it all. There's no way to cover ourselves to make ourselves presentable to God. We're helpless. This man, if he were indeed beaten and bloodied and left half dead on the side of the road, is going to die if someone doesn't help him. He's incapable of helping himself. So someone else picks him up, puts him on his own donkey, takes him off to care for him at his own expense, and then hands him off to the care of someone else at his own expense. So it's, it's the Samaritan that spent the money. It's the Samaritan that was inconvenienced. It's the Samaritan that was messy. It was the Samaritan that rescued someone who could not do for himself. And Scripture tells us that as people, we're incapable of doing for ourselves and making ourselves right before God. We're incapable of it. It's called in the church, in the scripture, it's called original sin. And it's a terrible thing to have to come to grips with. But the fact remains, according to scripture, that we're not the good Samaritan. We're not the priest or the Levite. We're not even the expert in the law. Jesus is telling us that he is not the good Samaritan. He's the great Samaritan. And every one of us is in need of someone to rescue, to save us. So here's the question. If you've been a follower of Christ for a long time, have you forgotten, and I pray no, but have you forgotten that you were rescued, that you were actually in need of a Savior, that everything that you've, that's changed in you, everything that's, that, 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 that's good in your life, it's not, it's not, it's not, I'm not saying you had no will in it, but that it, it, you're made right with God and with people because God did it for you. He picked you up off the road. 
He carried you. He mended you. He saved you at his expense. One of the things we asked the children was this. Almost everyone in this room, if you say, why did Jesus come? We will say something like, to save us from our sins or to die on the cross to forgive us our sins. That's awesome. It's true. But has he forgiven yours? Well, of course, yeah, I mean, he did it for everybody, right? He did, but it's kind of like a gift. And I said to the kids on, on Thursday, if I, if I went out and I knew exactly what would be perfect for you for Christmas, something that would change your life, that you would feel so loved and appreciated and known and, and something you would cherish forever, and, and I go out and with my own money, not on Amazon Prime, I mean, I went to the store, which my wife went to the store with me yesterday, and I had about four minutes in me. I'm like, I got to get out of here. Oh, gives me agita. But let's say that I, I, was, I was searching for that perfect thing for you, and it was a, a great expense, and I, I saved up money for years, and I, and, I, and I brought the cash money, and I paid for it, and I wrapped it up, and I put a little card on a bow, and a card on top, and it said, to you, from Trent. And I brought it to your house about three weeks before Christmas, and I knock on the door, and I just say, hey, I want, you need this, and I wanted to buy it for you. And I gave it to you, and you put it over with all the other Christmas presents by the tree, and and Christmas morning, if it's like some houses, you know, the, the big ones get open first and there's all this wrapping paper and you don't have a fireplace, so it all gets kind of bundled up. And then when you're picking stuff up, you know, that, that six weeks of preparing for this and it's over in seven minutes and, and you got all the wrapping paper and you start shoving it into bags and mom's trying to save the bows. Um, not Lynn, she, no. Um, and somehow, some way, that little gift that I bought you, a great expense that I thought would be perfect for you, it gets kicked behind the couch. And March, April, May comes along, and it's still back there. The gift has been purchased, but has it been received? No. When's it received? When you open it and accept it. Same thing with the death of Christ on the cross. It is a gift of great expense. It is exactly what you need, and it's the thing that will change your life forever. It's been purchased and paid for at great expense, and it's been offered and given. But man, we have to pull that string on the bow. We have to tear open that paper, and we have to receive for ourselves the gift that Christ has given us. The Good Samaritan story tells us how we're supposed to behave, but it also tells us how God behaves. See, we're supposed to love our neighbor. If we love our neighbor, we're loving God, but it's also that a loving God loves your neighbor too. And the loving God, if he's loving your neighbor, how he treats his, your, your neighbor is how he treats you. Yes, he wants us to go and do likewise, but not before we're rescued ourselves. So I'm just asking you to think about this today. With all the silliness, with all the pirates, with Pastor Kirk's accent changing every 30 seconds. I'm just picking on him because he's here. With all the busyness, all the tie-dye, all the rainbow, everything that we've done, please, God, don't leave here without realizing that you're someone in need of rescue. And if you've been rescued, don't live like you still need it. Live like you're the one participating with God and doing the work that he's doing. See, if you love God, you love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're loving God. And in fact... If God is doing something in someone else's life and you participate, you're actually working side by side, hand in hand, and cheek to cheek with the God of the universe. 
So if you've never been rescued, if you've never received the gift that was at great price, if you've never been picked up and put on the donkey and tended to by the Lord himself, today's the day. And if you have, remember, you're not beaten and naked and bloodied and half dead anymore. You've been made alive in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. So behave accordingly. Because you should never have to ask the question, well, then who is my neighbor? Because it's anyone you meet, anywhere you go, as long as you're still drawing breath. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us. And thank you for showing your love to us through the children this week. Thank you for the wisdom you've given them. Thank you for the passion you've given them. And thank you that they have the ability to just have joy. Bless you for that. You tell us that we are to become like little ones. Lord, help us be people that rejoice in you always. I'll say it again, to rejoice. Let us be people who others are drawn to because we just love you and we love them. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Hey, Bodine. Yep. Um, we're supposed to be filled with gratitude in this. Yep. So I think now the BBS is over and we got off that ship, we should spend a little time writing writing some thank yous. I do got a lot of gratitude to get out here. <laughs> yeah, gratitude's important. Yep. I also have this if AD. Have you seen these? What is that? Is that pen and paper? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Similar. Here, you take I, half of these. Okay, I'll go. I, you write I, some notes. I don't write real good, though. I write my, some notes. My, my grammatical <laughs> abilities are lacking. Okay. I'll, you know what? I'm going to write the first one. Okay, you okay go and I'll just try to figure it out from there. Thank you, Community Church, for allowing grown men to dress silly and act like children for the sake of Jesus. You do know that you wrote that upside down, right? Yep. Okay. All right. All right, so let me give one a try. This is kind of nice. Hold on a Oh, I know. Yep. Thank you, VBS, yep. for putting three words in a sentence that no, three, no child would ever put in the same sentence. Vacation, Bible, and school. That's true. That's true. That's a good note. That don't taste very good. Nope, I didn't nope. really lick mine. <laughs> I did. It's all an illusion. I, I made the mistake. Yep. yep. This is just a game right now. Thank you, West Michigan Pediatric Dentistry, for providing us with these beautiful pearly white smiles. What? Add something onto there. Add yep. something onto there. Yep. And uh, for you having to fix this, oh, yep. we're going to have to buy you a summer home. That's right. You're welcome for your future vacation there you cottage. Go. There you go. See? All right, Watch we... this. Watch. See? Oh, I don't really you get pretend? it. I don't really get it. I understand. Yep. All right. Let's try this one. Thank you, Mr. Grizz... Grizzly... Grizzlebowski? Yep. Yep. For using your computer skills yep. to build us this fine set yep. and making it so I could walk a plank. Yep. It was both making us both a priority, and I just got to say, I'm sorry. Oh, wait, wait, that's a different note. That's a different note. Matthew Grizzlebowski, I'm <laughs> sorry I broke your cannon. All right, we'll put those both in the same envelope. Rip. 
fake it? R.I.P. Oh, rip. Yeah. Rip. Rip. Which, what does that stand for? I don't know. All right. Okay, I got another one. Hold on. Oh, you're still doing that? Okay, that. Did it work? That made me a little nauseous. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Undercrunch, for being the first pirate we've ever met that has a sporadic southern accent making us feel real good at home. Didn't you? Thank you for him, too. I'll I do. It. I do. Yep. Thank you, Cap Wonder Crunch Pants, yep. for teaching us all the letters of the alphabet after Aura. Yep. R! S. 13. Thank you, Mo. Yep. Melissa Overway, who goes by Mo, for being our personal shopper mm -hmm. and for all the work you've done. So we just want to make you an honorary Modine. Modine. Yeah. Now, that's either Paul sign or not. We don't care. Where's she at? She can have these. Yeah. Here we go. I'm kidding. Thank you, Jolly Roger and Babs, for letting us make you look like you are very nice. But it's just not true. Your heart's the size of gold. Heart is the, the size, size of, gold. of gold. I don't know what that means. Me neither. Thank you, nice. Patrick, mm -hmm. for being the voice of the evil parrot, for sacrificing your vocal cords, mm -hmm. even though we had no ability to understand what you were saying most of the time. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> yep. Your turn, we're almost done. Thank you. Hold on, thank you. Got to read it over there. There it is. Thank you, those of you who worked in the galley, for helping us maintain our delightfully portly figure. Figures, that's figures. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mr. Oh, hold on. Thank you, Mr. Kurt and the band yep. for being a superb opening act for the real talent, the, the Unidine yeah. Dueling Banjos yeah. in our nostrils. You're welcome. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm, hold on, I'm running out of envelopes. I'm yeah, I had to do a swap. All right, here, that one right there. That's one Good we thing do. we didn't really seal them. Aren't we on this one, the VVS? I thought you already did that, but go ahead. Nope, I'll do it. It's okay. <laughs> no one else is here. We're just practicing. That's right. Thank you, VVS Planning Committee and adult volunteers in red shirts for your countless hours of hard work and preparation. VVS couldn't happen without you. That's not funny. Well... I know what's true. Okay, okay. Thank, yeah, give my hand. I got one, I got one. Thank you, yep. all of you sitting here this morning for tolerating us <laughs> and for the fact that this is the longest worship service you've yep. ever sat through having to look at people with bad teeth. But you're doing it because you love your youngins. Yeah. Thank you overalls for doing some of what you said you'd do. Over sums. Over sums. Yep. <clears throat> Thank you, Miss Jen, for all the work you've done all year long, and especially for being our perpetual inspiration. Yep. In all of our rehearsals, yep. 
and be in the Pez Laugh Dispenser. <laughs> yep. 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 Last one. Yeah, last one. We can do this one together. Okay. I thought I was going to fake you out. I was trying. Thank you. J. J. E. E. S. S. U. U. S. God, give me an S. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Stand up and receive the benediction. Should I do it from the plank? Yeah, you should. Now, there were some kids all week. We did tell them, we'd tell them the whole truth. But if you weren't here on Thursday when we took the wigs off, yes, indeed, I'm a character. Bodine is a caricature. Bodine is a caricature. Nate is an actual person. But we were, we fooled a few of them. I had a woman in the first service this morning say, you're, which one? And one person said to, <laughs> one person said to Nate, um, you're related to those Bodine characters? Yeah, I could tell, but you have more hair. You're not even wearing a wig. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you. That's a look on God's face. God, smile at you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, amen. Go with and in the peace.